We're working this entire month on making our own lives more prosperous. And we're using this great book of Edwin Gaines called The Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity. So far, we've covered the ideas of spiritual goal setting. We've covered the ideas of forgiveness. We've even covered um, uh, kind of in general the idea of giving and receiving. And I think Edwin has kind of saved the best for last for us. So I'm really looking forward to today. But you know, before we get started, I thought maybe we would look at church finances for a minute through the eyes of a five-year-old. <laughs> so a little girl became restless as the preacher's sermon dragged on and on. Not that that would ever happen here, of course, but uh, <laughs> thinking of the church playground, she quietly asked her mother, can I go outside and play? Her mom whispered back, no, honey, not until after the offering, you know. A minute or two later, the girl asked again, can I please go outside? I just can't sit here anymore. And her mother said, we all have to wait until after the offering, sweetie, you know, when they all collect the money. Well, the little girl looked very sad for a few minutes, but suddenly an idea brightened up in her face. She leaned over to her mother and spoke in a loud and distinct voice, Mommy, if we just give him the money right now, couldn't we leave? <laughs> All different ideas of church finances. <laughs> All right. So the best that Edwin Gaines saved for last, what we're going to cover today is something I think very important to all of us. And in fact, for those of you who were here at my ordination on Friday night, you already know part of my divine purpose. And that's what we're covering today. We're covering the idea of a divine purpose. So for those of you who are here, you already know that my divine purpose is a fairly simple one. It is simply to show people how powerful they are to put aside any vestiges or ideas of, of helplessness or victimhood, just put them aside, and I'm here to set the stage, to tell the good news, to teach the classes, to do whatever is necessary so that you people, and when I say you people, I mean the planet, <laughs> knows how powerful they are. All right, now I'm going to open this up here for a show of hands. How many people in this room know what your divine purpose is? All right, now this is what I love, totally love, about being in a science of mind group, right? Because probably at least 20% of the people in this room already either know with great conviction or at least a twinkling, at least that, that glimmer of knowledge of what they're here on the planet to do. And what I know is that all of us are here to do something. All of us are very unique. We all have our, our inborn skills as well as the ones we've learned. We have our own kind of mixture of heart and soul and fire and knowledge and, uh, and all kinds of gifts. And, and in fact, that is why the talk title is called Your Free Gift is Enclosed because just by being you, you are making a present, a grand gift to this planet. But let's one-up this for just a sec here. I want to read you what Edwin Gaines has to say about this notion of our gift, this notion of what we're here to do, this notion of a divine purpose. She says, People such as Gandhi, Mother Teresa, and Nelson Mandela seem to have been driven by a self-defined purpose that they chose for themselves. We often think of such people with a sense of awe and respect as if they were somehow different from us. 
better, smarter, more saintly, more courageous, something. Sometimes they hardly even seem human. But the truth is, the only real difference between you and those people is that they have a clearly defined sense of life purpose that they selected, and then they embraced it with steadfast dedication and with unshakable determination. Now, I know that there were maybe about um, 60 or 70 percent of the people that didn't raise their hand. And I also know that even those of us that have an idea of what our divine purpose is, clarity is a good thing. So I'd like you to indulge me for a minute. I'd like you to close your eyes, and we're going to do just a short guided meditation around our life's purpose. So start thinking, if you would, about the world around us. Now, the world is a breathtaking vision of beauty and love. I know this. And yet, I also think if you cast your mind about, you're going to find some things that simply need improving. As a human race, we're waging wars. We're allowing poverty and hunger to affect millions of people. We're in a decline in the education that our youth receive. We're allowing our bodies and minds to become out of shape in ever greater numbers. We often treat people the closest to us the worst of all. We plunder the world's natural resources with no thought to the future. We can pollute and foul the very planet that sustains us. Surprisingly, we're slowing in our efforts to find cures for some of the world's most troublesome diseases. We, lurk we work longer and harder and increasingly have little balance in our lives. We continue to cut art, beauty, great music, and culture from society in general. And sadly, I could go on, and so can you. I invite you to think of the many world's problems in your own mind's eye and think, if you would, in your estimation, which needs fixing the most. What one change in the world might make the most difference? What single transformation, if you will, might have a huge impact on this planet? And now equally important, what world-spanning change or transformation would give you the most joy to witness and to be a part of? What world-spanning change or global transformation would give you the most personal joy to be a witness to and a part of? And now I'd like you to visualize for just a moment the world with this issue solved, completely solved, once and for all. You don't need to think about how this is going to happen. Just imagine that it has happened. Imagine that a divine gift has been given to the world and that this problem no longer exists. What does the world look like now? How has it improved? How does this one, perhaps simple change, 
ripple out to make an even bigger impact on the world. All right, I invite you to come back into the room. And I hope you have a taste of what it is like to have a purpose, a truly divine and global purpose. Now, you noticed in the meditation, I was really clear, we don't have to know how we're going to do these things. We're going to leave that up to God. But what I know is, if you want abundance in your life, if you want a magnet for getting all of the supplies and resources and good that you can ever possibly put your arms around, if you are in alignment with a global change, a global purpose of this nature, the universe can never be thwarted in providing you with what you need to have this transformation take place. It, the universe will jump through hoops. This is the proverbial moving the mountain to Mohammed, right? This is that idea that can never be quelled, never be stopped, will always be supported, will always be richly supported. And that leads me really to today's spiritual principle. It's one of the first ones I learned in practitioner training. And it simply is that spirit supports richly its own expression. That when we are feasted in our mind and in our heart on something like love, something like joy, something like peace, something like wholeness, something like abundance, when we in our mind's eye are seeing this as the root to making a change globally, not just in our own lives, although this is actually sufficient, if you want the world to change, you only even need to know it just for yourself, and the world will supply it. But oh boy, when you know it for the world in a global sense, when you go about your life knowing that you are here on purpose and with a purpose, and that the world will benefit from it, oh my gosh. This is what makes the planet sing. This is what makes God do backflips in joy. This, no, honestly, this is what makes all the difference. And simply, spirit richly supports its own expression. All right, now what, did you remember the quote from Edwin Gaines? What is the other element that perhaps is missing or that it needs, at least needs to be here in order for this to come to fruition. Because she talked about the purpose, but she also talked about commitment, right? It's no good just to have the idea and then stay locked up in our home, <laughs> hoping it will happen. That's the difference between a goal or a dream. That's the difference between a life's purpose and an idea of something that would be nice. <laughs> and I know a lot of us think that world peace would be a nice thing. A lot of us think that educating our youth in magnificent ways would be a nice thing. But the difference between it being a hope and a wish and it being your divine purpose is simply one of commitment. That's what Nelson Mandela had. That's what Mother Teresa had, is a commitment to making a difference. 
And so I want to illustrate with a, a story of commitment from this lovely book of Edwin Gaines. And she tells about a time in her own life when, uh, actually it wasn't that long ago, remember when Halley's Comet made its last trip through our solar system, something that only happens about once every hundred years. And she had it, Edwin Gaines had it in her heart that she was going to see Halley's Comet. So she was doing a little research and she discovered that the best place to see it was in the South Seas off of Tahiti. And she thought to herself, well, okay, I really want to do this, but okay, Tahiti God, <laughs> how am I going to afford to do Tahiti? And so she took this into prayer and thought about it. And one morning she woke up and the answer like came into full bloom right in her mind. I'm going to organize a self-help workshop on a cruise ship and the cruise ship will be in Tahiti. And so she called a travel agent because, you know, you know Edwin. If you've been here the last few weeks, you know how smart, how creative she is. So she called the travel agent and she said, all right, so how many people would I need to book on a cruise ship so I can go free? And the travel agent, you know, did a little calculation, you know, well, it's $300, a, or 3000 excuse me, 300 I wish, $3,000 a person, and so on. If you sign up 18, 20 people, something like that, you can go free. In fact, if you sign up that many people fairly quickly here, we'll put you in first class. So Edwin Gaines, of course, an enterprising woman that she is, she had a regular talking circuit and, and, and classes she was doing, and so she started marketing it. And yeah, people started signing up for them. And in one of her early classes, this wonderful woman named Mildred signed up and, and gave her a check. And, and so later in the day when Edwin was you know, doing the bookkeeping part of her job, she opened Mildred's check, and the deposit for the, the trip was $1,000 and Mildred had given her a check for $10. And so luckily her phone number's on the check, right? She calls Mildred and says, Mildred, I'm so sorry. Clearly I wasn't you know, clear about this. The trip cost $3,000, and it cost $1,000 just to reserve your spot. That's the deposit. And Mildred said, oh, no, you were perfectly clear. I understand all that. But right now I only have $10 to give you, and, and just hang tight because I'm going to go on that trip. There's no question in my mind, as soon as you described it to me, I was picturing myself on that boat, looking at the stars, I'm on the trip. Okay, Edwin's kind of like going, wow, this is cool, but please know, <laughs> I need $3,000 for you. Okay, so time goes by, and checks started showing up in the mail. She, Edwin Gaines would open her mail, and there'd be a check for $12. There'd be a check for $7.50. There'd be a check for, I think the largest one was like $29.99, right? And so now, it's two weeks before the boat sails. Edwin looks at the little accounting she's done. The woman hasn't even given her $100, let alone $3,000. So she makes one final call. She says, Mildred, you know, I love you, and I love your sense of determination. Clearly, you're walking in the direction of paying for this cruise, but I got to tell you, I need the $3,000 right now. And in fact, it's pretty well booked up. I'm not entirely sure that there's room for you. I've got the 18 people. There might be a little room, but I would need the check today. Otherwise, I should just refund your money. And Mildred said, do not you dare refund my money. I am going on that trip, and I can send you another $12 right today. <laughs> All right. 
Well, you know, if you've ever met Edwin Gaines in person, she's very gracious. And so she simply said, all right, Mildred, do what you can. But no, you can't get on the boat unless you have the $3,000. And in her heart, what she thought was, well, we'll just sail without her. And then when we get back, I will send her a check and a, and a nice letter and, and make it up to her after the trip. Because I'm not going to argue with this woman. She seems pretty clear in what she wants. The day before the boat sails, Edwin Gaines get a, gets a phone call from someone who was one of the very first people and just wrote the check for $3,000 right off the bat. And she said, Edwin, I can't come. You have to know that my daughter's going in for surgery, and as much as I want to be on this trip, I'm just going to have to pass it this time. And I also know it's too late to get my money back. Do you know someone... <laughs> who would be willing to go in my place. And so with great delight, Edwins calls Mildred and says, Mildred, have I got good news for you? You can go after all. And do you know what Mildred said? She said, of course I'm going. My bags have been packed for a week. <laughs> now this, I want to tell you, is the recipe for success. This is the idea of commitment. Now, did Mildred know how she was going to pay for this? And in fact, if she had gone down that road much, she probably would have given up, right? She, if she really had thought, okay, well, that, that means I need to you know, earn $100 a day in order to get $3,000, and, and here are the only ways I can think to do it. You know, I'm on a fixed income. Maybe I can go to Winco and demonstrate you know, how burritos taste. I don't know. I don't know. If she had gone that way, despair would have laid into her. But what she did know was that it required money, and that when she had any cash available, she was going to send it in. That was her beginnings to the walk in faith. She knew that if she was going to go on this trip, her bags needed to be packed, and she had to have the right clothes for it. She knew that if she was going to be gone for two weeks, that she needed to have someone look after her cat. And so she did all of the things that she could do that were within her realm. She was walking along the steps necessary to show a full, a 100% commitment in this. And I tell you that God simply did the rest. And this is the same difference maybe between you and I and someone like Nelson Mandela. This is the, the same difference between you and I and someone like Mother Teresa. There is no difference except one of commitment. Now, you know I love to assign homework in here, and I do have a bit of homework for you this week, and it doesn't mean that you have to give up what you already have in order to make a difference in this world. Now, some of the examples that we do run across, like Mother Teresa, you might say to yourself, well, you know, this is a wonderful way of changing the world in terms of helping people in terms of poverty and disease, but... I'm not going to go live in India in abject poverty to do it. And the good news is you don't have to. All of us have the capability of making a life and world-changing difference right from where we sit, right in our same jobs that we have right now, right in our same homes, without changing anything in particular to begin with anyway. On the outside, it only requires our commitment. And so this week your homework is... If you're willing, you might sit down in meditation and do just a little bit more work around what your life's purpose is.
And I want to throw out some examples. A perfect life purpose would be to bring more art and beauty into the world. A perfect life purpose might be to know that foster kids are going to have a home. A perfect life purpose might be knowing that you are going to support someone who's doing research into curing something that so far has been incurable. A a perfect life purpose might be in knowing that right in your neighborhood, and you're going to start in your neighborhood, that you become more friendly and more aware of what's going on with the people that live around you, and that you are to support them with your heart and your hands and your mind. These can start off very small, But when we are fully committed to them, the world will change. So that's your homework this week. And I hope you have fun with it because our life purpose is always about joy. Remember in the meditation, I said, what one world problem would give you the most joy to either see solved or to have your own hand in solving? And so if you look at something that you want to change and you're going, oh, Lord, this just sounds like a total drag then you probably haven't got the right thing yet. Because what I know about each person here is that your gift to give has an element of joy in it. Not only just the element of purpose, but also the element of joy in it. All right, so are we good with our homework? We're all going to do a little bit more work on what our life's purpose is. I think it's really useful if you can write it down in one sentence. My life's purpose is to bring greater joy into the lives of theater goers. My, my life's purpose is to, to sing my song when I think of, uh, uh, of Donna Lynn and Terry. You know, it might be something like, my life's purpose is to sing a song of love that uplifts the world. When I think of Lexi and youth church upstairs, it might be something like, I know that the youth of the world are enlivened, emboldened, and better educated through my efforts. So, so one sentence that describes something, someplace you can make a difference that will be wonderful, and then simply think about making the commitment. Even as Mildred made one tiny step in the right direction, one after the other, She sent in a check for $5. She sent in a a check for $12. If you need to start small, you need to start small, and that is perfect. Then you are activating that law of God, that law that says spirit richly supports its own expression. And then it will come to you. It will simply come to you in an effortless and beautiful way. So I'd like to close today. You know, we've been using this great prayer of Ernest Holmes from Living the Science of Mind on Abundance, and we're doing it as a call and response. So I'm going to call out one line, and then you just respond back to me by repeating it. Fair enough? Good and more good is mine. Good and more good is mine. And ever-increasing good is mine. And ever-increasing good is mine. There is no limit to the good which is mine. Everywhere I go, I see this good. I feel it, I experience it. It crowds itself against me. It flows through me. And it expresses itself in me. It multiplies itself around me. Good and more good is mine. Good and more good is mine.
Thank you very much. Thank you for being here today.